Patrick Fendaro here with Franchise Finding Season 2. Together with my brother Jack, we're going to be going through some of the largest franchises as well as up-and-coming franchises to see if they're a good investment. We look at the franchise costs, the revenue, historical profits, failure rate, and other really important metrics to consider before investing in a franchise. So if you're looking to buy a franchise or think about a startup or an existing business, listen to our podcast as with little time, you'll be able to evaluate a franchise is the right entrepreneurial path for you. This is Patrick Fendaro, co-founder at Vetted Biz. Very excited to have on two guests from Footprints Floors, Brian Park, who's the founder and CEO of Footprints Floors, as well as Brian Canote, who's not only a franchise owner, but he's also the director of development. Footprints Floors has grown from one location in 2008 to over 150 locations in a little over 12 years. They started franchising in 2013. So it's a very responsible way to grow a franchise system and not just starting the, the first year after you launch, but waited five years to really fine tune their model before bringing in other franchisees. I'm very excited to, again, bring on Brian Park and Brian Knut. Um, Brian's, maybe you could just tell me a little bit how you got into this industry of flooring and a little bit about your background. Well, of course. Thanks for having us on here, Patrick. Uh, sure, so I'm, sure. I'm Brian Park, the uh, more handsome and, and larger of the two. Uh, but uh, yeah, so I, I started the business in 2008. Uh, prior to that, uh, I was in the Air Force. I was young. I was in my early 20s, newly married getting out of the Air Force, trying to figure out what to do in life. Uh, was a history major in college, which means I don't have a job. Um, <laughs> and uh, moved back to Denver, moved back home, trying to figure it out. Uh, my wife and I had gone out to dinner one night and came home. And our we had three puppies, because that's what normal people do. They get three puppies. Um, they had eaten our carpet. They just tore it up and shredded it. The pad was all over the house. And so we called and hired a flooring company to come in and put in hardwood floors. And I'm watching this guy install. I'm like, this looks kind of cool. Uh, you know, how much money do you make doing this? He's like, I don't know, hundred grand. I'm like, oh my gosh, okay. Like, could I, bad business. could I still go to school at night? Because really the vision was to, uh, to it was going to be temporary. I was going to install hardwood floors while I finished a different degree. I was going to be an engineer and okay. uh, change kind of course in life and so I started installing floors for that company. I called them up and said, Hey, you guys hiring? They're like, sure. And so I started working for those guys, installing, sanding floors, doing, doing it. I was a, I was a floor technician, uh, supporting my young family. Um, I worked with those guys for about, so you just had years. the three puppies, three puppies and a, a, a daughter at that time, three puppies. My daughter was born. My, my oldest was born right about then as well. Okay. Nice. Yeah, so, like, I think my wife was probably pregnant when okay. puppies ate the carpet. If I did <laughs> the math right, uh, and so I started working for those guys, and then uh, 08 hits. So that's about two and a half, three years later. 08 hits. I worked for those guys for for free for like six months. They oh, wow. I was a W two employee, and they weren't paying. There was employees. no payroll protection back then. Well, you just it, didn't it, get anything. Yeah. <laughs> Well, yeah, there wasn't that, anything. That's a new term as of 2020, <laughs> right? Oh, my gosh. I hadn't even heard that term. Yeah, it's a new coin term. <laughs> okay. No, there was no payroll protection. 
so yeah, they stopped paying their guys. I worked for free for like six months, trusting that they were going to pay me back. Uh, November of 08, they sat me down at an Arby's and let me go. <laughs> they didn't, they didn't even buy Classy, me. Classy place to have a, I know <laughs> I got fired at an Arby's. Uh, <laughs> I said, you, and they owed me like 35 grand. They're like, good luck. And that was, that was the landscape. So I'm 30 or $40,000 in credit card debt. Uh, four dogs. My wife is pregnant with our second daughter. She's eight months pregnant. Wow. I have a two-year-old, 800 square foot house. And I'm unemployed in the worst recession since the great depression. Exactly. And I'm starting a flooring company in the winter and it's a seasonal business. So not ideal. And that's when I started Footprints Floors. So December 9th of 2008 was our, our starting date. We went the next couple months not doing any work, we, nothing. We just, we kind of, I was walking neighborhoods, putting flyers on, on doors, just trying to drum up any business, hanging out at Home Depot, hitting up customers in the flooring aisle, just anything I could to support my young family. Uh, and then in February of 09, we did our first project and then it just started to, to roll from there, kicked on marketing and really by by spring, summer of 09, we were off and rolling. I ended up doing almost $550,000 that first year. A lot of it with my own hands. I'd gotten some old gear and was doing all the floors myself um, for the first half of that first year. And once we got busy enough, I was doing a floor still myself. And then I would have other crews running parallel with me. And we got to a point where I was running three, four, five crews in that first year. And really. This episode is brought to you by our sponsor. Franchise Brokers Association, also known as FBA. They provide custom guidance for franchise buyers in the US. FBA has over 100 certified franchise specialists as part of their network, currently working with 350 plus franchise brands. Click the link in the description section to learn how they can help you find the right franchise. FBA has over 15 years of experience. They've placed 2000 plus franchisees across the United States. They take a very personalized approach to selecting and analyzing the best franchise for you. Their approach is also backed by the data that we have at Vetted Biz. So if you're interested in buying or at least exploring a franchise, start your franchise search today with FBA. And again, you can click on the link in the description section for more info. What's like the profit margin, if you don't mind, like on 500k in sales, like what's kind of the industry profit margin for the flooring, a flooring business? Back then, my profit margin was close to 50% because wow. I was doing a lot of the work myself. Um, and my wife was the receptionist and I, you know, I'm not paying her. She's, uh, and so, yeah, we, we, we made good money that year. We, we paid off that $40,000 in credit card debt. We were way upside down in our 800 square foot house because we bought it at the top of the market and now the, the market's crashed. So we had the cash to get out of that house. Um, so yeah, it was a great first year and it really jump-started Footprints Floors. And I, I learned that this could be a, a very profitable deal, but it, at that time, and, and really for the next few years, it was just growing a business in Denver with no intention of, of franchising. My intentions were to feed my family really. And that was it. That was all I was planning on doing with it. Uh, and it. And it evolved from there. And Rather than just keep on rolling, I'll let Brian participate in this podcast. So go ahead, Brian. Um, yeah, so so my story is probably more related to franchise development. In uh, in 2012, 
we founded a, an organization called Rain Tree, where we um, we support franchise organizations like Footprints Floors and a variety of others in all things recruitment. So, so franchise development application to their business. We, we kind of look at it as Brian and, and founders and executive leaderships of different franchise organizations. They understand how to make unit level economics for their franchisees. We understand how to go find more franchisees. Um, and, and so in 2012, we started that company and fast forward 2018, we met Brian Park and, and started discussing the opportunity of working together. And I, uh, I immediately had an attraction to the business for a variety of reasons. And so uh, I still maintain that role at, at Raintree, but I also own, um, what, three territories throughout Indiana. Hmm. Incredible. And working at Raintree, I understand they've represented 20 plus franchise brands, right? Yeah, probably uh, a little bit more than that throughout the course of our our operation. Right now, I think we we represent about 14 in our portfolio. And have you ever had as close of a working relationship as with Footprints Floors, as with some of the other franchises in that portfolio? Um, you know, I would say across all of our relationships, we have a, a very similar working relationship as far as our franchise development responsibilities. Sure. Um, but, you know, th- me personally being entrenched in the operation of Footprints Floors on a daily basis, um, I have a, a stronger understanding of this model, um, more so with relevant, I guess, tools and technologies and, and industry assistance and you know, just everything that's happening that's impacting franchise owners. Um, I, I'm in real time understanding of that as a re- recipient of all those services. What, and, what and really support. attracted you to open and operate three territories for Footprints Floors? Um, what was it about their business model as well as the industry as a whole? Yeah, so I have, um, I've been closely related to the service industry, right? So, so take flooring out of it. I've been closely related to um, tree removal. I've been closely related to window screens. I've been closely related to, you know, my brother's a works at an interior design company. Um, and, and so I've always been attracted to the needs-based business where there's a, an easily identified, you know, and recognized need from the consumer. Sure. Um, it, it, it's not a, a hard sale per se. Um, but as I, as I evaluated Footprints Floors, um, just the, the level of infrastructure that Brian's put into place to, to create this, you know, operation where you can manage multiple jobs, multiple individuals, multiple, you know, and, and a tremendous amount of output. So it was, it was largely the infrastructure that he and his team have to support us franchise owners. Um, and I hate to use the word compartmentalize, but he's really compartmentalized the business in, in some key categories that, you know, this makes money over here. You need this player to make this money. Um, and he's identified exactly what we need to do as owners. And it, it's quite simplified. So it's, it's really the infrastructure to support us to go out and sell and manage. Um, and they take care of the rest. Brian Park, what does your team look like? Like how many people are working full-time or even in a part-time capacity supporting franchisees? Uh, we just did a head count the other day. We are at 54 employees, wow. uh, supporting 80, 79 owners. Okay. So you're ready yeah. to scale up. That's a pretty, that's a pretty nice ratio. I don't know if yeah. I've ever heard that type of ratio in franchising. Yeah. We have a lot of staff. We, we run a, uh, we, we answer all the, the phones for all the owners. 
So a franchisee doesn't have to hire admin staff for themselves. We take care of it for them. So any incoming phone calls from the general public looking for flooring filters through our corporate uh, receptionist staff. We call them customer service representatives or CSRs. Um, so they filter through the CSRs and then they're put the, the actual estimates put on the owner's schedule for them. And that's really when the owner takes over. So they, they're not chasing leads. We, we turn all their marketing and manage all the marketing for them. We're talking to the different marketing reps. We've negotiated discounts on marketing costs. Great. There's a lot of things in place. And then we handle and control all of the income, incoming call flow. Uh, and then we put it on their schedule. And that's really when they take over is at that point. So it's essentially, and I, I've seen this with different service brands, especially like in the accounting space or insurance space. You're handling a lot of the sales, marketing, lead gen, lead nurturing so that the franchisee can just focus on hiring, firing if necessary, building up the operations and, and serving uh, the different, the different uh, jobs. Yeah. And that's a direct byproduct of, I did that job. I did it. I, I did estimates in people's houses for well, going on 15 years now. I've done tens of thousands of estimates over the years. And, and I decided early on, and really back in, in the first year when it was my wife and I, I, I couldn't be in an estimate and answer my phone. I, when I'm in a house, I need to be focusing on that customer. When I'm doing a walkthrough to end out a job or if I'm physically doing the job myself, it's not, it's not good. It's a turn off from the customer. Like I was looking at real estate uh, a year back and the realtor is just picking up the phone nonstop. It's just like, dude, can you put down the phone and let's just focus on this task on hand? And then you're half paying attention to both people. So the people you're currently with are put off because you keep answering your phone. And then you're not doing a good job answering the phone because you're feeling rushed. And so that sure. potential customer, you, you only give them two seconds of your time. You're like, well, I'll call you back. Bye. And now they're just calling the next company. Whereas when you have a professional admin person answering your phone all day, sitting at a computer who can spend 15 minutes on a phone and you know hear about the project and invest in them emotionally, uh, it, it leads to good things. And that was day one. That's what we started doing. And we've just continued that trend for the last you know, 13 years. And, and to add a little context to that. So the, the role for the franchise owner is, is, as Brian just described, meeting with the customer in the property, providing them undivided attention and information about their project, um, selling them ultimately, um, but it's not a hard sale. And then from there, managing that project to ensure that it carries out and, and finishes on time. So you know, the, the staff and the infrastructure he's created allows for us to be uninterrupted in property, essentially just teeing us up at scheduled estimates according to our, our flexibility in our schedule. So to me, I, I looked at that as in operating a business, I don't have to have a tremendous amount of people and, and all sorts of different balls in the air that are going in different directions that I can't figure out what's what. I look at my, and, and this is me as a, an investor, I look at my sales staff and I can see exactly what they're scheduled to do from an estimate standpoint. And I can look at my production staff and see exactly where they're at and the projects they're managing and know exactly when they're going to finish. Um, so it's, it's very clean and simple to manage. How often are you checking those KPIs, key performance indicators? Um, I check them on a regular basis. So I guess regular to me would be, I'm looking at my spreadsheet daily, nice. um, but it's, it's, I'm more keeping it clean on a weekly basis when we do payroll Okay. and, and payroll being our cruise. So it's, it's not a challenge at all, but one of the, I, I tell people that the hardest thing to wrap your head around in this business 
is the value proposition accrues. Um, there's this, I believe, or at least I see this in the last three years with thousands of calls, there's this preconceived notion that, that crews are terrible, they're hard to find, they don't work, they're lazy, they don't know what they're doing, the list goes on. And, and I can debunk all of that just from my own personal experiences, but what's important is the value proposition to those crews. Um, there are crews out there doing production right now. You have to get in front of them and you have to create an environment where they want to come back. And so paying them every Friday. Um, and I just so instead of bi-weekly pay, business. you do weekly pay. And that makes that's a big right. difference. That's right. And, and that's our secret sauce, right? But uh, pay, no, them. pay them and they show yeah. up on Monday. Oh my gosh, that's yeah. crazy. <laughs> if I pay them, they don't want to answer your phone. So pay them uh, the reasonable rate, right? I mean, that's exactly I, you right. hear so many people complaining about not being able to get employees, but if you pay them right. more frequently and pay them the, the market rate, they'll probably show up and, and show up with a smile, right? Yeah, and, and to add to that, um, when I look at evaluating different businesses, um, paying these guys, we, we pay them a tremendous amount of money. We're not talking about trying to find general labor where today's market, you know, you see a sign on a window at 7-Eleven for 17 bucks an hour. I mean, year to date, I have a crew that I've paid $186,000. That's great. These guys make, these guys drive nicer trucks than I do. Yeah. So there, there's some significant golden handcuffs in this business, which, you know, it's, it's a great win-win for everybody involved. Hey, I guess you kind of want that from like the franchisor to franchisee to employee. Like as a franchisor, you want your franchisees killing it, making tons of money, if not more than you. And then same thing with the employees down. That's right. And so tell me a little bit about the competitive landscape. I imagine you have some one-man shows that are booking, doing the service. I mean, the customer the customer experience is not going to be there. Do you have big companies also in this space? Like who, who else are you guys competing with for, for jobs? Go ahead. <laughs> uh, that's, that is a unique thing about the, the flooring industry, which has really led to a very ripe uh, landscape for us to, to grow so quickly. The, the industry is mostly one man shows. There's not, so and let me rephrase that. What when I say industry, I'm more focused on on the labor side. So we're we're a labor business. We don't really want to sell material. Okay. We can. We have access, and we have the very, margins aren't going to be as good though, right? They're not. And and our model, we don't we don't have locations. We don't have brick and mortar locations. Mm -hmm. Our guys work from their houses and their cars. That's what they do. And so to get into the material business, the the way to make money on material is to, to have a warehouse. And buy pallet loads and truckloads and shipping containers and bring them in from out of sea, overseas. And, and you're going to need like 500k that. to a million to, to run that. Type oh, of the, the upfront investments, the liability, the employee staff, the infrastructure, shipping. Then you're at the mercy of, of freight and gas and all of these things. It's a completely different business model. And so 13 years ago, I said, I don't want to be in that. I, I, I don't want anything to do with that. Why don't I just leverage? The other flooring companies that that's the business they want to be in, like a sure. floor and decor or Home Depot or Lowe's, all these businesses, that's all they want to do is sell material. And they have economies of scale. It's, it's tough to compete oh, with I, them on the product I can't side. Compete. I'm never going to compete with Home Depot, right? You know, so, so why try? Let's just, let's, let's pair with, with them. Let's figure out what they're good at and let's figure out what we're good at. And the beauty is all of these box stores and all the way down to the mom and pops, you know, that, that have been there since 1975 selling floors. They don't want to do labor. Sure. That's what they're not good at. They don't want to go to job sites. They don't want to figure out how to install this particular material the right, the right way and read the rules and 
and all the, the headaches that are on the labor side. So, so a company like us comes along and says, hey, we don't want to sell material. We want to do labor. And you want to sell material and you don't want to do labor. How about we, uh, we do this together? And that's what we've done. So we've paired. So you have a few like nationwide partnerships where your franchisees get in, they're pre-vetted and then they can start servicing right away. We staff their stores with our employees. (laughs) Yep. And, and we sign up their customers and it's a mutual win for us. So we're not, so, so to go back to your original question of what's, what's the competition level, we're not trying to compete against Home Depot. We're pairing with them. So what, who we're really competing against is the other labor companies. And it's, it's 99% one man shows there. I, I don't know of a single national labor installation company. I don't, I've never seen one. Well, probably you can't pay, you know, you have to have like the franchisee that really has skin in the game, the employee, it's probably tough to do something on like a national, national wide basis to really incentivize everyone. Yeah. And we're really the only labor only franchise model in the flooring industry. We are, there's nobody else doing what we're doing. Um, so that's, that's how we're unique. So, so really at, at a granular level in a market, we're coming in and we're competing against the one man show. And because of our volume and our size and our marketing discounts and all of the infrastructure and the call center and all these things we provide, we end up being almost the exact same cost to the consumer for that installation as the one man show. Wow. So he's in, he's in saying, Hey, it's 3000 bucks and footprints is in there saying, Hey, it's 3,200 bucks. But you get all of this other value add. And you get it done fast, right? It's not going to take two months plus to, to get the job done. There's one man shows that are awesome. They're, they're fantastic craftsmen and they're six months out. Huh. And when they're six months out, they start raising their price. So we're actually lower than those guys and who we're, we're competing against the not so good guys. And we're How long does a typical um, installation take? Less than a week. Wow. That's incredible. Yeah, three, three, four days. And yeah. most of your customer acquisition, is it coming through, you know, organic searches online, paid marketing, the referrals from the big box stores? How are you getting customers? All of the above. We, we market in at least a dozen marketing sources and social media, you name it. We, and, and Footprints at, at the franchisor level builds all that out for the franchisees. We encourage them to get involved at the local level, but most of them don't because they're overwhelmed by what's provided at the franchisor level. And, and the landscape of that is, you know, you, you take these one man bands that are booked out six weeks. Um, th- these guys throughout my discovery process and calling competitive folks, they, they almost brag to the fact that they're a word of mouth business. They have been for 30 years. They don't spend a dime on marketing. So it leaves it open for us, right? They're, they're not buying leads through the platforms we're buying because they're booked six weeks, eight weeks, six mm-hmm. months sometimes. They couldn't so it, service them. Yeah. And then furthermore, those that, that do, you know, find they're short on work and they might run a, a, a two-week, three-week marketing campaign, they don't have the capacity to answer the phone. So while they're buying the same leads as us at that particular time, we're winning because we're answering the phone immediately. Or pardon me, it's being answered on our behalf by our customer service rep. So you're bridging that online connection to offline fast. Mm-hmm. The, the way I see it is, you know, there, there are so many consumers that have a flooring related project and they don't have a flooring guy. They've never done floors before. They, they you know, they are new to a city. And so they're reaching out to, to major platforms that have consumer confidence 
and they're, they're just looking to get a vetted contractor. And so we're on a regular basis buying the opportunity to meet a new customer and become their flooring guy by doing right by them. Well, and when he says a regular basis, we average about 15 estimates <clears throat> a week per franchisee. Wow. Well, we'll, our call center, I think our record, we put almost 5,000 estimates a month on the, on the schedules for owners. So we we're good at it. We do a lot, a lot of it to the point where these marketing sources tell us our conversion rate from lead to estimate should be 25%. That's our goal. That's like, Hey, we sold you four. You should turn one into an estimate. Our, our conversion rate is 60%, not 25 yeah, because then, of what we have in place, we're, we're good. I imagine that of the sixty percent that I convert, then you're also getting referrals from the from them. So it's like a virtuous uh, circle. That, that's right. And and the volume that that puts in front of a franchise owner really brings them to become a flooring pro in in a short window. It's it's a steep learning curve, but a lot of intimidation of I don't have any industry experience. I never knew I wanted to be a flooring guy inside of short period of time, you're going to be the most knowledgeable resource in your market. And we've seen that as, as we've grown across the country. So maybe Brian Canute, could you tell me a little, you, you've talked a little bit about your background. Did you have any prior professional experience in flooring? Like what do, and then Brian Park, what are the most successful franchisees? What, what kind of acumen do they have? What are you looking for? I'm getting called out here. Um, <laughs> I have no I, comments. I, I walk on floors. Um, <laughs> no, so I don't have any professional experience in flooring. Um, I, I've kind of grown up in the service world. I had an opportunity to be a part of a, a tree removal business and um, nights and weekends I was scrappy and I would do things. So I, I sat behind a sander one time for my father-in-law on a fix and flip and realized that um, I know how to destroy floors faster than I know how to fix them. <laughs> So that was it. So I really don't have any experience in flooring. I'm, I'm very handy. Um, and so I can kind of wrap my head around this looks right. This doesn't look right. Uh, but again, this is a, this is a sales business and this is a project management business. It's, you know, it's, it's people management, it's communication and problem solving. So um, while I am handy, I don't have any experience in flooring. It's, it's a very doable model for someone that's committed to, you know, selling, being organized, getting in front of more customers, pressing harder on the marketing gas pedal, um, and then communicating with the customers that you've, you know, committed to and, and don't overcommit, set fair expectations. So those, those are the things that I have kind of in my back pocket is being able to project manage, task management, okay, organization. You transferred all the skills that you generated over many years in the service industry. This just happens to be a, di- a little different service. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's the people business though. We're dealing with people, we're dealing with emotions, you know, we're, we're helping them see their vision to fruition um, and also bringing them down to earth and saying, you know, it, it's a five-day project. It's not a two-day project. So, you know, let's not have that cocktail party on Saturday if we're going to start on Friday. <laughs> well, and then- Brian, Brian's really, I mean, he's got a service background, but you're probably towards the end of the spectrum where I mean, we have guys that have way less Oh, yeah. experience, you know, if, if our owners like this is the floor guy that knows everything and this, this is the other end of the spectrum, Brian's kind of like right here. Most of okay. our owners know even, know even less. They're coming from all kinds of different backgrounds. Mm-hmm. Uh, and really my philosophy has always been, I can teach adults. I can teach competent people about flooring. It's not that sure. hard. I, you can learn everything there is to know about flooring or at least enough 
within a, a few months. Enough to be dangerous. Well, enough to know to more than ninety nine percent of your market. That's for sure. But I, I can't teach I can't teach floor guys how to how to be adults necessarily. So I'll just we'll do it. Yeah, and it's it's worked out amazingly well. We put them through a very intense uh, training up front on flooring and overwhelm them, and then we sit and and mentor and coach for the next decade and, and make sure that they're up to speed. And it's, it's worked out extremely well. And are most of the franchisees, the 150 or so franchises that are, are, are currently operating, are they mostly working full time or do you have some that are working like 15, 20 hours a week? No, it's everybody's full time. It's a full time, nice. a full time gig. Yep. Well, except for Brian, he doesn't even live in his market. But he has somebody needs to be full time. So he has a, a general manager that lives in Indianapolis okay. that runs the day to day. And then Brian talks to him every day. Um, yeah. But it's uh, it's one of those opportunities that I want to warn people that there will be more work than you can keep up with for the first several years. And so you're, you're going to need to be sleeves rolled up. You're going to need to plan to hire people as you become ready. Um, but there's there's more work than you can keep up with. And, you know, we're, we're buying leads, we're buying to get in front of a customer when they're ready. So while it's pretty scheduled and you can, you can work in, you know, a nice work-life balance, you got to be available. You know, when a customer wants to meet you at four o'clock, you got to go there. And are you working Saturday, Sunday? Is it more of a Monday through Friday type of uh, work? Yeah, m- Monday through Friday. Okay. I think the general feeling for people when they invest is I, I got to be available, you know, 24 seven. And within about a month, they, they recognize like, okay, I, I can kind of narrow this down to Monday through Friday. Sometimes a job trickles into Saturday. And, sure. you know, I think franchise owners love, they, they take their kids, they show them entrepreneurship, they meet with the customer and grab a check. Um, but yeah, it's, it's a Monday through Friday, eight to five business. And then what's the general investment range? Like how much does it cost, including working capital to, to open up a franchise? We're seeing um, for a single territory, I think a good healthy budget's about $100,000. Um, I say that with incidentals marketing budget, you're going to spend 75 of that. And that 25 gives you some cushionary budgets to make good decisions. Mm-hmm. Now that, that's, the, that's the investment bucket. So still have some money set aside for your lifestyle bucket, you know, I, yeah, I don't how know what much do you think six months, nine months of just money. That um, I have. Yeah, no, no promises. None of us have a crystal ball. I wish I did. I, I wouldn't be sitting here, right. I'd, I'd be on a beach somewhere owning, I don't know, an Island, but uh, no, as far as operating capital, I would say, and, and cushionary budgets, um, we're seeing successes within the first month. Um, customers are buying from us just because we show up. Uh, then you become good at it. You become effective at it. You know, usually in your second to third month where you're, you're able to control the outcome, you're able to control the dollar amount that the customer agrees to. Um, and we're seeing revenues to where franchise owners are taking profits in their first couple months. Um, again, I don't know how much lifestyle you need to subsidize, uh, but six months would be a good cushionary budget. And compared to like a food or food and beverage franchise or any franchise that has like a big physical location where to find the site, permits, build out, getting the furnitures and fixtures. And it can be like six to 18 months until you break even and even a year until you actually open the business. How long is it well, taken for Footprints Floors for a franchisee to open from the time they signed the franchise agreement with you guys? 
from from signature depending on when our next training is which we run them almost monthly uh they're launching the day after they finish training oh wow so at, they fly home and they're doing it we actually turn on their marketing and post ads for crews while they're in training and when That's they great. show back up in their market on monday they're doing estimates and they're so we like to see them do revenue their first month like the first two weeks when they get back after training uh, and then we want to see them turn a profit really within the next 60 days. And they do. Uh, and then according to our FDD, which is what I have to quote, uh, we're seeing on average, they're recouping their initial investment within their first seven months of business. So not wow. getting in the black in a month, recouping their original investment within, and that's not everybody, obviously, yeah. but on average, it's about seven months. We have owners recoup their initial investment in three or four months. I mean, it's, that's wild. Yeah, that's what I love about the service industry. And it looks like, especially flooring, um, one of our analysts just did um, a study on Orange Theory franchise. The midpoint's 1.3 million and they're making like 150K. It's going to take you about 10 years to get your money back. Oh, so, nice. I mean, it's something if you really are passionate about fitness or food and you don't care as much about the money, but if you got to support three puppies and two kids, you know, you might want to consider more of a, a service-based uh, franchise. Boring, that you can get boring's not back. sexy. It's not sexy, but it pays very well. And it actually ends up becoming really sexy when you get good at it. Like, this is really cool. There's some, there's something about taking some old green shag carpet and turning it into beautiful hardwood floors. For sure. It's, and it's I'm amazing. sure you see the customer super happy after they, oh. give, they give nice reviews. Yeah. To, to compare a stat against a stat, um, our item 19 showed an average volume in the 800s and we show a net between 25 and 27%. So that, that's a single territory, right? That's one owner going out Monday through Friday, eight to five. So you, you can run the math on that, grow that to three, four territories. No, no employees at that single territory, Mark, just, right. just an owner and, and some crews. And what regions are you targeting? I, I know you're in over 30 states. Like, where would you guys like to grow grow next? Uh, so we're in 36 states, 155 locations. We would, we're all over. Um, I would say our, our main focus is the Northeast currently. Uh, we have a very strong presence through the, the South, Southwest, uh, Midwest. But yeah, and actually this is- I our, was just going to say- This is our board of ownership. Oh, so cool. all of these pins represent different owners. That's not a- that's not uh, computer generated. That's actual paint on, on wood. <laughs> it looks yeah. Kinda... For those that are listening on the podcast, yeah. the Brian's at their headquarters and th there's a map of the United States and pins all over the place. So it looks like a lot of territory is still open. And I, and I heard in another uh, interview you gave, you want to, you want to have over 400 locations up and running. Yeah. We've mapped the country already. There's 403 territories available. We have 155 uh, taken. So we, we got some room for sure. Uh, but we are growing like crazy. We've added, uh, 40 owners and 80 locations just year to date, just in 2021. So in the middle of a pandemic, so it's, it's going well, it's been growing very quickly. So I understand, you know, COVID's changed a lot of things and probably with, um, Brian Canute, like you operate in a business essentially remote from Colorado, probably wasn't that easy to do if people weren't used to this new reality that we're in with COVID. Um, so I imagine there's probably been some shifts and more flexibility from how you run a business. And we've seen that at Vetted Biz, 
but have you seen any big shifts on the consumer side and kind of how the, has the business model had to adapt? Yeah. So my experience and, and I'm relatively young as a franchise owner, we, we signed our agreement uh, at the very beginning of 2020. So I, I tell people we came out of training I launched marketing February 3rd of, of 2020. Hmm. We fell on our face March 10th. Yeah. Right. Um, we fell on our face for like two weeks. Okay. It, it was this uncertainty, this unknown. It was really, you know, customers are wondering, are they allowed to invite you in their property? Um, and, and not only our business. All in, that essential conversation right. happening back then. I right. Essential, who's not? And, uh, we're, and we're essential. Right. <laughs> we are essential. Um, although it's arguably cosmetic, it's essential. Um, Construction, yeah. But so, yeah, we, we started getting invited in properties and, and we saw this around the country with franchise owners. Um, we really didn't have but maybe a two week blip and that blip was just unknown. Um, I would say that, that you know, I, I've only been in the flooring business for a couple of years now, but uh, we started seeing a, a, a massive consumption of floors. And, and if I look at myself, I had two little seven year olds running around the house that did, you know, arguably three or four years worth of damage to my floors in six months because they're usually at school, right? So, so we're wearing and tearing our property. We're seeing consumers that are, you know, finding that they can't go have a cocktail at happy hour. And so they're turning their house into their sanctuary. And so I guess, oddly enough, there was a lot of consumption that took place in home improvement. Um, people had money, they kept jobs. Uh, the market's pretty healthy right now. So it's been, I, I say, and awesome interruption. Um, it's yeah. an unfortunate situation that's gone on around the globe, uh, but it, it's been prime for us in the flooring business. Well, and to expand on that, because we're not in the material side of the industry, even now with logistics issues happening and trying to get shipments and containers coming through ports, we don't have any of that because we're not in the material business. So we're telling customers, find what you can find, whatever happens. Exactly. To Maybe their products are limited, but they're still going to do something, right? Yeah. Yep. Yep. And they're saying, well, I want to get this done this month. So I'll, I'll buy this particular product. And we're like, we're ready. Just let us know and we'll be out there to put it in for you. So we're not waiting six months for material to get here. We're installing constantly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Even portions of projects. I mean, he's running a lot more volume than me, but in my business, We've had some jobs where we're waiting on just a, a small little part. So the customer says, you know, carry out 90% of the work. We'll give you a check, um, you know, and we know you'll come back and finish this. So revenue continues. And, and as those parts come in, we're not in the firing line where the customer's upset with us about, you know, what we're failing to deliver. Um, they're, they're upset with. Yeah, you, you're getting it done in a week, but if the product's right. not there yet for that week yeah. to start, you, there's not yeah. much you can do. Uh-huh. And if the customer is upset, they're upset with the box store, not with us. That's right. <laughs> yeah. And to conclude our discussion today, how do you see the future changing and the needs for the industry in, in this century, in the coming years? Floors are in demand. They're not going anywhere. People keep buying houses and building houses. Populations increase. You know, the flooring industry will not disappear anytime soon. We're also not going to get automated anytime soon. Um, and the beauty of the model is we're not attached to a particular product. So right now we do a ton of hardwood floors, you know, laminate LVP. We do a lot of tile. We're a tile installation company as well, but say it, it transitions to something else over the coming decades. We'll learn how to install that. There's always a demand for labor. That's what we're in the business. We're, we're in the labor business. So we'll adapt, we'll shift, we'll change. Our margins are the same, no matter what we're installing. And we'll just figure out what the next product is and keep rolling. So 
as long as people keep buying floors, we're, we're not going anywhere. First-hand experience on my end, um, and I don't know that I'd ever imagine this, but uh, I recently had Brian's company do my backsplash. Uh, we never left our house. Hmm. My wife had a good idea of the product she wanted from a friend of hers. She ordered the product online after we got our estimate. It was delivered and drop shipped to our door. So I think with today's day and age of Amazon and Wayfair and, and you know, these, these you know, direct-to-door delivery companies, we never left our house. Who needed so, dollars, by the way? The, yeah, the, the one thing I, I guess is probably more informed. I mean, you're, you're. I don't know about that. My my wife had a particular color she wanted, so that that you know that's our consumer. Honestly, is is they're it's an elective surgery. They're changing something because they want the appearance to look a certain way. Um, but nonetheless, my point being, um, we never left the property. But the one thing we could not replace was the management of labor. I, I don't have a crew here in Denver. Um, even though I run a business and I could probably go recruit a crew, that's, it's not a nice thing to do when I'm involved with this company, but I can't, I can't, you know, replace that as a consumer. I can't go find a crew. I don't want to manage them. My time is more valuable working. Um, and so, you know, we, we couldn't eliminate that. So footprints is still in the picture, regardless of my consumption of floors. I still run run Denver. So we run about 40 crews a week here in Denver. So and I think that's an advantage as a franchisor. I run a flooring company to this day. I have 13 employees and 40 crews and we do millions of dollars in, in revenue in Denver alone. So really whatever I'm telling a franchisee to do, I'm doing the same thing. Whatever we're implementing at the franchisor level, it's affecting my day-to-day business as well, my employees, my crews. Um, I'm not just talking the talk. I, I've been walking the walk for, for 15 years. And how many corporate locations? You just have that one corporate location, Brian? We have five locations now in Denver. Okay. So I run five locations. That's great. So, I mean, you see uh, what the franchisees are going through, but you're making more money from the franchisees in terms of royalties. So you're not going to be just focused on your businesses, I imagine. No, I make money on on both sides, which is nice, but uh, yeah, it's, it, it, they go, they go hand in hand. So I, I'm going to make decisions that help franchisees and they, it'll help my, my business as well. But my focus is the franchisee for sure. And my uh, local business is the beneficiary of it. That's huge. But yeah. Cause a, there's some big brands like Panda Express that only 7% of the locations are franchise or Texas Roadhouse. It's like less hmm. than 20% are franchise. And you have yeah. to question where is the franchisor spending their time and effort? And and that's the world I live in on a regular basis as we, you know, help vet franchisees for various organizations and help them understand what they're, you know, what they're getting involved in and the infrastructure supporting them. Um, I'm shy to say this because he's sitting next to me and his head won't fit through the door, but uh, I'm yet to see companies that provide as much focus and and understanding of the business and hands-on attention to the franchise owners. I mean, everyone gets Brian's cell phone number. He's on the chat regularly. He's entrenched in the business. So, so I get people asking, you know, what is, what happens when Brian leaves? And I'm like, well, you got to understand he loves what he's doing. He's making a tremendous impact, not only on the lives of our franchise owners, but also the industry of flooring. It's changing. We're, we're, we're getting so many folks in the industry that, that are helping our business grow because they want to add this professional touch to what's kind of a, a fragmented, unprofessional bad rap, you know, and, and not just flooring, but service business gets that rap across the board. And so, uh, you know, Brian's dedication to all of us on a regular basis and his hands-on experience and know-how 
is really second to none with, with some franchise organizations where they're, you know, smart business owners, but they don't know their product or they don't know their operations. Um, he knows it's soup to nuts. So apparently I know the operations, but I'm not a smart business owner. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, you gotta, you surround yourself with people that do the things you're not as strong with. Sure. <laughs> yeah. No, he's the mastermind behind that as well. Oh, yeah. no, I'm just kidding. No, it's, I enjoy what I do. It's, I have a great job, but no, I, I would say to sum me up, I'm, I'm a business, I'm a, I'm a business mind that just happened to fall into flooring at a young age and kind of grew up in the flooring industry and applied a business mind to it. And that's, that's why we're sitting here. Great. Well, Brian Canute, Brian Park, it was really a pleasure to have both of you on today in the description section. If, if you're listening on, on one of the podcast uh, networks or on YouTube, we're going to leave the, the contact information. So should you be interested in entering the flooring space and particularly looking at opportunity with, with footprints floors, you'll be able to schedule a call and, and to see if this might be the right opportunity for you. Thanks guys. I hope you enjoyed today's podcast episode. If you found today's learnings helpful for your entrepreneurial endeavors, I encourage you to follow us on our Vetted Biz YouTube channel. Also, our podcast episodes are available on every major podcast network. This includes Spotify, Google, and Apple. For Apple Podcasts, you can actually leave us up to a five-star rating and also give comments to see what type of feedback you'd like to see for future episodes. If you prefer, email me at patrick at vettedbiz.com with any questions, feedback, or suggested topics for future podcast episodes. Thanks again for listening today.